Hello and welcome to another episode of Mindshare Radio. My name is Kevin Whelan and today I want to talk to you about three ways to get clients to take your advice. So it might sound obvious, you know, uh, but in order to get people to take your advice, they need to be ultimately bought into you and they need to be bought into and, and trust that you're going to help them get a result. So how do you get people to take your advice and what happens if they're not taking your advice or how do you get people to buy your advice up front? How do you get them to believe in you so that they actually pay for just your advice and not, not your set of hands? And that's what we're going to get into in this episode. So uh, stay tuned for that. And as always, if you get any value from this, from this podcast or from the Mindshare community, if you're a member of that, please share this with a friend. It, it goes a long way. Uh, ask them to go over to kevin.me, get on the mailing list. They can send an email and request access to the community or, uh, or otherwise just kind of listen along. Uh, I send the daily content over at kevin.me uh, for marketing advisors, helping them run a profit advisory business. So if you just pass that info along, uh, I'd really appreciate it because it goes a long way in helping me get the word out uh, without having to do a ton of extra marketing. And that's always a good thing. So without any further ado, I want to kind of talk about the three ways to get people bought into you so that they'll take your advice. And that's kind of the, the, the general crux of it. So number one is they have to know, they have to know and understand that you understand their problems and that you care about them and the solutions that you're creating specifically about them. So number one is, do you understand the problems that they're facing and how do they know that? So during a sales conversation, it is about listening to the, the challenges that they're facing, the context behind those challenges, why it matters <clears throat> and what they think are the roadblocks and what, what they, what the pain ultimately that they're, that they're, that they're feeling that, you know, stands in between where they are today and, and the goals that they want to get to in the future. So the better you understand that in a sales conversation, the better you can articulate that on your sales page. And ultimately, your services uh, and products and general messaging should speak closely to the, the the true pains and needs and desires of your target market. And that's why one of the reasons I always recommend having a, a niche is that you you see a lot more trends and, a, and pretty much everyone suffers from the same core set of things within that niche. And But the, the nuance and the context is really what adds that level of specificity and that makes your sales page a lot better. So, you know, in the co-working niche, I'm just thinking with my multi-location co-working clients, I know that they have a lot of financial stakeholders at the larger level and they all want visibility into the metrics of the on a per location basis of how each each of the locations marketing and general operations are performing. So I help give visibility into those so that they can report the right numbers to those stakeholders or and or raise money and or uh, find investors and or um, sell the business eventually as well. So by knowing that about my multi-location clients, it, it generally means that I can put that into the, the sales copy for my multi-location uh, uh, consulting services for the co-working spaces. And that makes my content and and copy super, super tight and super, super particular because they see line items that are not just like, you know, get more visibility into your numbers. It's give your, you know, investors and stakeholders, um, you know, more visibility into the numbers that matter and things like that. And generally kind of it hones in on, on the very specific challenges that they're facing internally that you may not generally know about um, without niching or without having conversations, sales conversations that, that, that probe for these things. So the first question is, do you understand the problems of your target market? Uh, if people feel understood, you know, a problem well articulated is a problem half solved, solved, and they're more than like more likely going to hire you to solve that problem once you've gotten really, really crystal clear on what the problem is, what the root of the actual problem is. Sometimes people will come with you and be like, I have a, I have an SEO problem, but really they have a strategy problem that is manifesting in, well, there's no search engine traffic or there's no, our ads aren't working or our website's not converting or any number of things. So it's really about getting, understanding the, the, the problem, as the client says, it, um, the context of that problem, why it matters, and whether that's 
that problem, understanding whether that problem is superficial or whether there's something deeper that needs to be addressed. So clarity on the problem and then articulating, particularly in the sales page, but also during the sales conversation, hearing what your buyer or your prospect is saying, repeating back and showing them that you hear those things and even taking those pains and those challenges and putting them into the top of your proposal in terms of ideal outcomes and challenges, which is in my proposal template in the Mindshare uh, community in Mindshare Pro. You can get that as a member. Um, but regardless, you want to take the pains and challenges and the, and the outcomes that they're trying to accomplish and put those squarely in your proposal so that it's really clear it's in their language, not reworded in your own or lightly reworded if, if needed and elaborated on uh, as you read between the lines. Um, but, but the better you understand their problem, the more likely they are to believe that you can provide a solution and to be bought into your advice because they know that you're not just solving, hey, we're getting at a prettier website here. Like, oh, you need to actually to attract these kinds of people for these kinds of reasons and here's your you, you know you you obviously know that it's more than just a say, pretty website so you really understand the problem within the problem and therefore they're more likely to understand that you know, you can help them get to a solution because you're able to clear, clearly articulate and understand that problem both in the sales conversation in your proposal and on your website so understanding the problems have to battle and then the other thing which is kind of really hard to fake you either got this or you don't is showing them that you actually care and there's many ways you can do that one is listening to what people are saying, repeating back what people are saying when they're talking to you, um, uh, how you design your business and your service model. So for example, I'm a fiduciary advisor. I don't, I don't make money in execution. I work for a fixed fee. My fees are published on the website. There's unlimited access to me. Uh, I generally only want to work with people that I know I can help and that I feel good about working with. You know, um, at this stage of my business, I'm lucky to be a little bit selective and how I feel about the engagement is, is important as well. Um, but it obviously translates into, hey, I genu genuinely want to help you and your organization and here are ways and showing them through touch points and um, correspondence and follow-ups and just sort of general, you know, checking in, like generally caring about your clients and going the extra mile both in the sales process, uh, after the post-sale, how you deliver for your clients as well, uh, showing that you, you care, checking in, just genu genuinely being interested in in helping them achieve their outcomes, not just meeting your minimum standards of your job description. So showing them that you can understanding the problem is, is number one. And people won't care about you until you show that you care about them. And uh, people won't trust that you can provide them with good advice until you show them that, um, that you understand the problem and that you're able to to ultimately resolve that for them. So really, really critical that you first get clear on the problem. And then if you don't care about the work you're doing or you don't care about your clients, it's gonna show through and there's going to be a, there's gonna be cases where they're gonna tell that what they're saying is falling on deaf ears and that you don't genuinely care about the outcomes you're trying to pr produce for them. And therefore they're gonna potentially disengage and, and lose interest in listening to you or taking some of your advice. And uh, and sometimes that might be just that a relationship has run its course and uh, you know naturally stress will creep in on various stages of the engagement. Things get challenging. Um, and it might just be that you both kind of have, have met the point where you're sort of you're, you know, you're good. You're tired of, uh, of, uh, of the, of the challenges of, you know, of building hard things, which is what marketing consultants are paid to do. So sometimes you one of one or both of you will lose interest in the engagement. And that's totally fine. Uh, if you notice it in yourself and you lose interest in helping your client, it's a good sign. You should probably pull back or pull out and, uh, and free up that room so that they can work with someone who's generally genuinely engaged in helping them. So do you understand the problem and do you care? Uh, you can't fake the care part. If you either care or you don't, if you don't care, uh, really consider whether you want to work with that particular client. If everything feels like drudgery or everything feels stressful, uh, or you're anxious looking forward to certain calls or engage or, you know, uh, conversations, it might be a sign that's not a great fit for you. It's going to show in, on your face. It's going to show in your work. So, um, yeah, so 
that will either lead to them not taking your advice or you not pr providing great advice, which will lead to them not wanting to take your advice either. So they got to like you. And, and the only way they'll like you is if you care. Uh, and they got to trust you. And the only way they'll trust you is if, if you understand the problem and can articulate and communicate it back to them. So that's, that's number one. Um, if you want to get people to buy your advice or take your advice, depending on which side of the sales process you're on, uh, showing them that you care and showing them that, uh, you understand the problem and you're clear about it. And if we ever lose sight of the problem, going back and refocusing on the, the core elements that make, uh, make everyone clear, Hey, what are we really trying to accomplish in this phase of our engagement? Um, what's the challenge here? What's the main, the main issue? How do we narrow it down? How do we get clear on it? How do we assign our resources to fixing those challenges? So that's the first part. Number two is establishing your uh, credibility. Actually. Yeah. Establishing your credibility. We'll do that one next. Um, obviously clients aren't going to pay you for advice if they don't think you're credible. So that's why this is number two in my sort of my pyramid, if you will, my, my, uh, framework for, uh, marketing advisors, how to sell advisory work. Uh, number one is, is your positioning specifically around a niche, ideally within a target, like for applied to a target market. Uh, that way you're like one of the only people who are highly credible at solving a specific kind of problem like growth for a specific type of, of person or industry. Um, so that's first, but, and that helps with the next part, but they're mutually connected, uh, which is credibility. So how are you, how are you credible? One is, have you worked with people like me in the past? Two is, you know, do do people that trustworthy people in the industry endorse you, recommend you, uh, are there testimonials, you know, associated with it? What are all the signals? Do you speak at uh, conferences and thereby have that associative trust by, by doing so? Um, what are those trust signals that you're transferring one way or the other? And, uh, ultimately, um, yeah, like do you have a track record of helping people in the past? So having case studies in your website, really, really important. Uh, ideally you want to show that you've helped people like, like, like me or like your client, your next client. So if they're a small co-working space in, in my instance, uh, I want to show that I've worked with and succeeded with small co-working spaces at, at my level of, of service for them. Uh, if they're multi-location, if they're much larger, I want to show case studies and examples of clients have helped at that level, as well as lots of testimonials and lots of examples uh, that way as well. So credibility is really, really critical. And uh, if they sense that you don't have enough experience, like how long have you been doing this? You know, how many people have you worked with? If they don't have a sense that you that you have an established set of uh, rules and, and processes, which will be our next point, um, they won't they won't listen to you. If they feel like you're making it up and they, or they feel like you don't have a lot of uh, history behind you, they won't listen to everything you say. They may listen to some of what you say, um, but they'll always be a little bit skeptical and that's not really a good place that you wanna be And It's all the more reason you wanna specialize because you may be an expert at marketing and you may be really good at building up marketing campaigns, but if you don't really understand the industry you're working with, there's always gonna be a lot of fudging. There's gonna be a lot of like, applying your concepts to a new industry and wrapping your head around the economics of it or the incentive structures, you know, the buyers, the stakeholders, the consumers, all these other things. And so that it's not always a, um, you can be a, a great expert at marketing, but not necessarily in their industry. So now they got to decide, well, how much of your advice is truly applicable to, to my particular uh, industry? And, and then there's some gray areas and suddenly you're not walking on water, you're fallible like them. And therefore they pick and choose what advice to take. And that, that's a very, uh, not a great position to be in because um, I know the clients that I'm most successful with are the ones that are able to take most of what I give them, if not all of it, execute on it at the speed that they're able to, and they end up being the ones that are most successful. It's when clients start to pick and choose things or when I'm not a specialist in the industry and they have to sort of fill the gaps for me. That's when results are not always as good, which is why I think, which is why niching is right at the very top of my, of my sort of framework for selling advisory services. So Establishing credibility is key. If you don't establish it with the public, they're never going to hire you to, to for just for your head, just for your thinking. And uh, 
And at the, at the same time, if um, you're working in an engagement and they kind of sense that you don't fully have all the answers because you don't maybe specialize in that industry or just because maybe you haven't been doing this long enough, then they may not listen to all your advice and that will impact your results. And, it's, you know, so they're not taking your advice, which is means you got to go back to credibility. And the way you can fix that as well to establish credibility in an existing relationship or a new one is to tell stories, is to tell you know, we talked about case studies, but sometimes you can just tell stories that, you know what, there was a client I worked with we in the exact same situation. We did this. This was the process as well. We ended up getting this result. It was successful. So you really reaffirming throughout the entire process. And if you listen to the last episode on why, why you should have and keep a process, uh, I talked more about this, but stories are a great way to reinforce your credibility informally during your engagement or during the sales process. Uh, it's less structured than a case study, but ideally if you're trying to convey a message, you want to do it in the form of a uh, story whenever possible. So that's number two. Number three is having a process. And this is what I talked about in the last episode is really critical as well. If you don't have a process, if clients can't detect that, like that you're actually following a playbook that has been run before, you're going to run into challenges because you're going to be kind of running on the fly, making it up. And as soon as your client senses that you're making things up on the fly, they're going to tune out, maybe not listen, start taking over the reins and start kind of running the engagement themselves, which is not really ideal, um, ideal for you. So do you have a process? Uh, ideally it's around a niche. Ideally it's been time tested, just like the credibility stuff. Ideally it's specific to their situation. It's aligned with their goals. Uh, you show that during the sales process, you show that during onboarding, you show that during the engagement and in it, it, without a process, things kind of go off the rail, things get fuzzy and kind of no one knows who's in charge and no one knows, you know, what the, what to expect next. And that provide that creates a lot of uncertainty. So you want your clients to feel like you are uh, fully committed and you understand their situation and that there's a, a clear plan ahead of you and that you're measuring things and that there's a system and that there's structure and there's, you know, uh, there's order to the chaos. Uh, otherwise, um, they won't take your advice. They'll start to be like, this is, we're now just sort of walking through murky water. There's really no clarity here and uh, money loves clarity. And when there's a lack of clarity, uh, your, your clients will, will either leave and or disengage uh, or on the front end of things, when they're going to choose to buy your services, if they sense that you don't have a, a process, if they sense you haven't, they're going to make, figure out the solution as you go. They're going to make it a lot less likely that they're going to want to hire you for your expertise and your advice. So you want to really show, you don't want to overemphasize your process until buyers are kind of roughly bought into you anyway, but you do want to mention and allude to the fact that you do have a process that is pretty clear. You, you could even explain your process further down the sales page or elsewhere on your website. That's all good and fair game. But yeah, in absence of a, a process, clients will generally not be as willing to take all of your advice. So it should always come back to what are the rules? What are the structures? What are the frameworks? What are the systems? What are the processes? What are the core components of what we do? Uh, and ensuring that that's there so that there's, there's safety, there's, there's trust. And all of this kind of boils down and stems down to trust. So it's a, that's why being a fiduciary advisor and not selling, not marking up execution hours or making money in other, any other way other than your fixed fee really matters because you're really saying like, I take my profit at this level. It doesn't matter how big or small you are. Here's my price. Uh, everyone's subject to the same thing. And, um, yeah, at the end of the day, uh, you know, like there's no better way to care than being a fiduciary advisor. That's just my opinion. doesn't mean selling execution or doing advice or doing, um, agency or freelance work is, is not the same. It's just when you want to sell pure advisory services, it really helps if, if all, you know, if that's your only incentive or maybe, you incentivize yourself with some of their upside growth, but that's 
a topic for another day. So as long as you care and you understand their problem, they're going to pay attention to you and care about you and listen to your advice. As long as you have credibility in the subject you're working on, the more niche you are, the better. Uh, track record and stories and history and examples really, really help. And then uh, as long as you have a process so that they feel like they're going along a logical path, that's going to really matter as well. Otherwise, um, if things are off the rails, no one's going to really pay attention to you. So uh, that's it for now. If you want clients to take your advice, these are my best three theory tips, whether they're buying it or whether they're already paying for it or whether they're considering buying it, establishing your credibility, ideally with a niche, demonstrating you have a process, keeping things under control, keeping things organized, giving people visibility into the future, and ultimately sharing, showing that you care and coming back to, hey, what are the challenges at hand and what are the goals that we're trying to accomplish? Because that's the only way they're going to pay attention to you is if you're really marching to the beat of their direction. Otherwise, uh, if they feel like you're just kind of doing things for doing things sake, then uh, they're going to disengage and do their own thing. So I hope that helps. And uh, if you have any questions, as always, uh, leave a comment in the community or send me an email. Uh, uh, hello at Kevin.me. And uh, that's that's about it. Just uh, look forward to hearing from you. And if you can share this this um, podcast or, or Mindshare.fm community with a friend, that means a lot. Um, I'm going to keep asking you. So uh, that helps a lot. And uh, yeah, I'm also taking waitlist applications for a new uh, mastermind cohort. And currently there's three people in my first cohort. We're now launching a second one, which will have three or four people in it. I want to keep it nice and small. I think that really helps. So if you're interested in that, raise your hand, let me know. And I can talk to you about that and we can get some details figured out. Uh, at least it'll let me gauge interest as well. And then we can launch that, uh, you know, in at the right time for the right amount of people. So that's it for now, and I look forward to hearing from you soon. Bye.